The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. Uh, we are halfway through January uh, as of today. The All-Star break is looming. Uh, but before we get there, uh, tomorrow marks the All-Star, uh, the North American uh, Challenge, uh, all pro- or North American Prospects Challenge game, uh, made up of the U.S. national team development and top prospects from the USHL. Uh, that will be airing uh, on January 15th. Um, and I look forward to it because I have not gotten a chance to see a lot of these players. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't mind seeing a few of them myself. I, I'm kind of, uh, uh, I don't know, I don't want to say out of touch, but I feel like I haven't seen enough of the prospects yet to make uh, informed decisions, shall we say. Correct. Um, it's going to be played at 4 p.m. Eastern at the Chipotle. It's the Chipotle All-American Game, uh, January 15th. Um, U.S. Hockey Arena in Plymouth, Michigan. Opening face-off set for 4 p.m. Um, there will be Will Smith, uh, Ryan Leonard, Oliver Moore, Charlie Stramill, uh, Gabe Peralt, um, uh, are all players who have played in the past in this game. Um, I'm really, really hoping that this uh, game suddenly st- uh, starts to pick up momentum uh, in terms of just getting getting more attention from hockey fans overall. Um, I mean, with yes, there's a lot... There's a lot more uh, outlets for getting hockey at this point than there were even five years ago, um, and it can split everyone's attention. But um, the nation's only—no, I was just reading the thing. The nation's only tier one junior hockey league, the right. USHL. Um, going to be played for the fifth time at the USA Hockey Arena in Plymouth, Michigan. It doesn't say anything about television. I'm assuming is it going to be on it's going to be on USA is going to be on the NHL network or is this only available on streaming? Um, okay. I do not, I have not actually <clears throat> apologies listeners both Chris and I have been under the weather this week. I uh, actually ended up taking time off of work for uh, being under the weather for the first time in a couple of years. Um, fighting to stay off the uh, fighting to stay off the um, <clears throat> the injured the the injured list or, or whatever they call it in the NHL. Long term, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I I I'm listed as day to day with uh, with a non injury illness. And yes, uh, as they like to say, the non-something illness. Yeah, I, I have noticed that they are sponsored by Chipotle. Um, now, while I'm not a huge fan of Chipotle, the fact that at the top of the banner here it says Chipotle USA Hockey, real food for real athletes. I'm thinking, is Chipotle really food for athletes? 
Um, I <laughs> tend not to be a Southwest Tex-Mex food type guy. Right. Uh, neither am I, but I just, I just found interesting. Are they considered, are they in, the, are they considered in the fast food category or are they something better? I don't know. I, I, like I said, I can't say that I. It just caught my eye that it says real food for real athletes, and I'm like, mm. they do. They and their competitor do talk about um, the freshness of their food a great deal. So, oh, okay. if it's you know fresh food, minimally processed, um, isn't you know 75% uh, salt, and the other remainder being fat, um, <laughs> fair enough. Uh, it looks like it will be broadcast on the USA. I'm sorry, on <coughs> on the USA Network, or on NHL Network, I should say. Yes. Okay, I mean it makes sense that it's there. I know that in the past we've given them a little grief because uh, the NHL Network shows everything except NHL games. Um, yes, I mean the logical place to look for hockey that isn't the NHL is the NHL Network. Sure, sure, absolutely. I'm looking um, forward. I'm looking forward to seeing some prospects here because I would like to start ramping up as far as you know. I I know the names at the top of the list, but I want to see what's out there. Some of the hidden jewels. Some of the I want to see what's coming down the line. You know, and I do. I thoroughly enjoy watching the youngsters play. Uh, what I also think is interesting is the way they choose the coaches. Um, Mike Leone, who is the head coach and general manager of the Green Bay Gamblers, uh, is going to serve as the coach for uh, Team Blue. Jason Kersner um, of the uh, Sioux City Musketeers will be the head coach for Team White. Um, these guys have a have a decent uh, have have pretty solid hockey pedigrees. Um, a connection that uh, most of us will be familiar with, at least the last name, if not the first name. Ryan Bork is serving as an assistant coach uh, for um, for Team Blue. Corey Lieberman um, will be will also be an assistant coach for Team Blue. Okay. Um, Jason, go ahead. No, I'm no, I'm I'm listening. I, I you. You have way more information than I have, so I'm actually listening. Um, uh, Andy uh, Contos, assistant coach for Team White. Um, He's a he's the third year assistant head associate head coach for the Youngstown Phantoms. Also spent a couple of years with the ECHL. Um, Matt Gilroy. um, He he did. A former assistant coach for the Los Angeles Junior Kings, currently with the uh, National Team Development Program, has worked on the Olympics. Um, I think this is uh, one stop on fueling up Matt Gilroy's rocket ship to the NHL. Um, Yeah. I think, I mean, looking at the pedigree here, um, this is a showcase for more than just the players. Um, some of these guys are going to be behind an NHL bench in the next two or three years, um, whether it's as an assistant coach or as a head coach, because I think 
I don't think we're that far from seeing another another set of changes and turnover in the constant NHL recycling of head coaches. Um, we all know the guys who have been on, you know, who've been coaching, you know, nine teams in the past 15 years. Um, they stay one, two years, maybe three. Um, they get fired. They start the next season with a team with a different team. And it may just be time for one of these guys we've mentioned uh, to uh, step on up. So this is not just a, a, a warm up or a, or a, an introduction for the young players, but it's also a an introduction for coaches who we may not have heard from or may not have seen before. Is what you're trying to tell me? Exactly. Um, and if you look at the rosters for the two teams. Um, you're going to see pretty much every state uh, mentioned. Well, all of the expected states mentioned, um, all of the expected colleges mentioned. Um, uh, looking at the blue team, you've got Cole Iserman out of Newburyport, Mass. Ethan uh, Gardula, Princeton, Mass. Um, Max Swanson, another Alaska kid. Um He's on the smaller side at 5'7 and 157. Um, San Jose, California, uh, Philip uh, Blaze Savoy. Um, you've got guys out of Chicago, Minnesota, Ithaca, New York. Um, their goalie tandem of Caleb uh, Heil and Jack Parsons, 6'1 um, and 174 in 6'3 and 184, respectively. They're playing for Sioux, City, uh, Sioux Falls Stampede. And <clears throat> I'm sorry, the, uh, the U.S. National under 18, um, and they're headed to North Dakota and Providence Colleges. Um, like the list of the list of schools these guys are going to is practically a where's <laughs> where in hockey. Um, well, it's practically a dead giveaway because we talked about the M's, Minnesota, Michigan, Massachusetts. So, I mean, you look at it, you got Boston University, okay, North Dakota, yep, St. Cloud State, Minnesota, Providence College, Boston University, UConn, Denver, Notre Dame, Minnesota, Dilly. yes, it's all the hot spots, Michigan State, Colorado College, Boston University, again, there's like three or four going to Boston University, there's one going to Boston College, there's... Providence, a couple of them going to Providence in the big in in the hockey east. It, it's University of Minnesota. I mean, they're all heading to places where you would expect to see high draft picks. Yes, um, Team White, pretty similar story. Uh, you've got you've got uh, E.J. Emery out of Compton, California. You've got William Felicio out of Holden, Mass. Elliot Gronwald out of Bellows Falls, Vermont. Um, you've got Joe Connor out of Amherst, New Hampshire. Uh, you've got Teddy Stiga, Sudbury, Mass. Um, John, <coughs> John Mustard, uh, Oradell, New Jersey. <coughs> Just this moment. There is one notice of, there is one that stands out and 
since we're since it's the All American game, there's a Matt Bay Gridden or Gridine heading to University of Michigan. He plays for the Muskegon Lumberjacks, but it's home. His hometown is listed as Kurgan, Russia. I can only imagine that he may have been born there, but now currently resides in the United States. Uh, he might have been, uh, he might be a diplomat's kid or, or hold uh, dual citizens or he becomes parents. It just, uh, it, it just jumps off the list because everybody else is, yeah, Bellows Falls, Vermont, Holden, Mass, Amherst, New Hampshire, Mekon, Wisconsin, uh, Hapog, New York. I'm sure I'm tearing that one up and I apologize. Uh, Hutchinson, Hutchinson, uh, I Minnesota. Know. I mean, and then all of a sudden, this one from Russia. It's like, oh, we have we have a goaltender from Boston, Massachusetts. Another Thatcher, and he's going. Yeah, to I Harvard. saw that. Uh, so Matvey Gridden, uh, Matt Vey, Matt Vey, Matt, Matt. I'm assuming it's Matt Vey. Matt Yeah, You're probably right. Matt Vey Gridden. I'd have to look him up. I don't know anything about him. Um, let's see, our good buddies at uh, <coughs> Elite Prospects have him listed, yeah, at Kurgan, Russia, as a, that's interesting, he's listed as a Russian. Yeah, he's playing on the, playing on, on the white roster for the All-American game. <laughs> going anyway. off of the, going off of the rankings... Um, consolidated rankings has him at 44. Daily Faceoff has him at 33. <clears throat> Craig Button of TSN has him at 52 on his list. And um, the NHL Central Scouting has him at 30 for North American skaters. Um, Going to be interesting to see where he goes. I would agree. I just, I, it just, it just threw me off a little bit seeing him listed with the American players. I figured it was a, he must have changed national, uh, not nationalities, but uh, um, he may have, he have, may have been naturalized in the last two years or last couple of years um i'm not 100 percent sure but i will look into it 16 years old hey 16 um 17 um he will 17 be, it looks like he turns 18 march 1st Ooh. I wish him. I, I hey, I wish all these guys to have that kind of talent and to be able to utilize it the way they do. But it just jumped off on the. It just jumps off the page when you're looking at, you know, all these guys from, and then all of a sudden you see Russia on there. It's like, wow, okay. Uh, but. We will, we will we will do our digging and find out what's going on. 
I will see if I can find that out for next week's show. He's still adjusting. Well, on the story uh, I mean, that I found. It looks like there's not actually a specific rule requiring it to be um, only Americans. Um, Maybe just and we know that we know that there are non. There are a lot of non-American born players in the USHL. Oh, um, yes, yeah, true. I agree. Yeah. Maybe it's just that he's that good and intends to play in North America and not go back to Russia. Um, given the geopolitical situation, um, that's not necessarily a surprise. Um no. But yes, I look forward to seeing that game. Um, it's one of the it's one of the few games that I can go into every year and just enjoy purely for hockey. There's no national pride in the line. There's no there's no you know home favorite. There's no players I hate, players I love. It's just a game I can sit back and analyze and enjoy very quickly. Gradine is interesting. Gradine is is unique in that, according to this article that I found, and this is from November of 2022, so it is last year. But he said he expects to play two seasons for the Lumberjacks, the Muskegon Lumberjacks, where he's playing now, before moving on. Unlike most USHL players, he has no desire to play college hockey before signing a pro contract. And the quote is, I think I play here two years, this year and one more. Then in 2024, I'll try for an, for the NHL draft. But if you look at the list, he's currently he's currently heading toward the University of Michigan. <laughs> so somebody got to him and said, uh, "You need to play a little college hockey." You need to play a little. <laughs> you need to improve your game, whatever the whatever the case may be. You know, learn the North American game a little more. It's something. It's very interesting that he says one thing, but yet he's doing something different. Hey, and he could just completely say, you know what? I've decided I'm not going to Michigan and I'm going to try and get in. But I guess it would depend on how high he's drafted. It looks like he only committed to Michigan just a couple of weeks back. It looks like uh, that was November 6th. So a year later, after making the statement that he wouldn't be going to college, he's going to head to college. (laughs) At 16 and change, a year is practically a lifetime. This is true. Very true. And I wish him well. I wish all of them well. I'll be watching. Um. Uh, Where do we want to go into next? What other exciting... Let's see here. We've got, well, let's talk about some good news. The Oilers are, are actually moving on up. They're moving on up. Uh, apparently, they are, they set a team record. They've won their 10th in a row against the, came against the Montreal Canadiens. Now, <clears throat> you know, this is one of those times where the, the topic is only sort of the topic. And yes. given how uneven the Oilers' season has been, um, they started off the year absolutely atrocious. 
Um, they were well out of a playoff spot. They were keeping company with San Jose and Chicago at the bottom of the standings. And they've had this 10-game win streak. They had another shorter win streak. It's absolutely fantastic to see. Um, but this is one of those weird times where you look at the story and say, wow, only 10 as a franchise record for a team that had Gretzky and won multiple cups? Yeah, I, 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 I'm trying to find it hard to believe that when you had Wayne Gretzky and Marc Messier and Yari Curry and you had um, uh, Grant Pierre in net and it's very difficult to name defensemen because, I don't know, Edmonton just – Edmonton and defensemen just – it's kind of like Toronto and defensemen. I don't know. It, even but, more so. But, yeah, 10 in a row is the – sets the record or breaks the record. It, it is a little – seems a little far-fetched. Like, I would assume – like, if you had asked me, I would have assumed that given that Gretzky had streaks – where he scored in every single home game uh, in a season for, I think it was the Oilers, it might have been a later team, that they would have a win streak of at least <clears throat> of at least 10 or 12 games there. I mean, 10 games is a lot, but it's not obscene. And that team was obscenely talented offensively. Um, it's just, but, you know, you look at the, you look at the jump, the climb up the standings for the Oilers. We mentioned they were well out of a playoff spot a couple of weeks, uh, you know, the start of November. Mm -hmm. They're certainly not at the top of the standings yet, but they are back in a playoff spot. Um, they have three games in hand on the Kraken, who they're technically tied in points with. Four games in hand on Calgary, who were two points back from them. And, uh, you know, that's that's a big deal. Three games in hand when you've got a better points percentage than anyone behind you and some of the team and the, the team just in front of you. I'll take that. Uh, I mean, if the playoffs started today, they would be facing the Vancouver Canucks in the first round. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, it would be a pretty interesting series because, yeah, Vancouver has played more games, but they're they're scoring more than they're scoring more than. Um, they have a plus 55 goal differential. And they're allowing less goals. Well, when you have a when you have defense, it shows. Yep. Um I, I like I couldn't pick. We were going to talk about it this week, but as I mentioned, uh, both of us were a little under the weather. Right now, there are three Canadian teams in the West. Who should be in the playoffs when they start? Toronto should make it in the East. Yes. Um, so 
I got to ask our fans, you know, do you have a favorite among the Canadian teams to win the cup this year? How good do you feel about it? How good do you feel about them getting to the playoffs and just making the Stanley Cup finals? If, if, who is it? Let us know. Well, with the Canucks and Jets currently leading their individual divisions, uh, that gives them a certain um, advantage. Yeah. Advantage. I don't. As much as Edmonton has creeped into the second wild card spot, I'm still not. And yeah, they're on a ten game. They're on a ten game heater. I, I'm still not sold on them. I'm not either. But that's uh, that's the reason to have a discussion to come armed with some stats and. You talk, you talk about the Kraken. The Kraken. They're on a nine game heater. <laughs> the Florida Panthers just ended a nine game heater. And still couldn't pass the Bruins, who were <clears throat> holding on to the top spot in the Atlantic. Uh, stumbling uh, down the hall, bouncing off of the walls to stay ahead. I mean, the Bruins won last night against last night against the St. Louis Blues, who are <clears throat> ungood. Well, we 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 have a a weekly discussion about their goaltending so yeah <laughs> but <clears throat> you know it's they won in overtime where they've been losing for like a month yeah and it's it's kind of hard to say that they've turned a corner because they only, I mean, Swayman only had to make 19 saves to win the game. 19. Mm. Um, Marshan scored twice. Yay. McAvoy scored once. Um, this was his 900th career point. Um I mean, well, I can criticize. Well, I can and will criticize the Bruins, um, and mostly in this case, the Bruins front office. Um, you look at the Bruins injuries right now, and it goes from surprising that they're in first place to nearly amazing. Like I won't go out and call it amazing yet, because but. When you lose your two best defensive defensemen for <coughs> yeah. at the same time, and that's Forbert, who's been out most of the season at this point, um, and then Carlo, who has been the foundation of the Bruins' defense this year, the absolute living foundation of the Bruins' defense. Um. You know, if there's any guy who has not only contributed what he always contributed, but legitimately grabbed a double fistful or double armful of the slack left by Bergeron's departure, it's yeah. Brandon Charlo. Um, and yes, this was not our topic, but 
No, I'm actually looking while while we're talking about this. I'm actually looking at this Edmonton team, and I'm confirming my belief that I don't. Aside from, I mean, first of all, Evan Bouchard is a point per game player as a defenseman. He's got 10 goals, 30 assists, 40 points in 39 games. He's a plus five. You've got him, Matthias Ekholm, and Darnell Nurse. They actually have three decent defensemen. It's, But their goaltending just is not selling. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to jump back to Edmonton, but being the topic. Stuart Skinner is a 903 save percentage. Calvin Pickard, who's backing him up, is a 902. Not numbers where they need to be. But they both seem to be about the same. It's like, depending on who's in net, you could lose focus because they have pretty identical numbers. Stuart Skinner is a goals against of two six three. Picard is a two six nine. So the guys play the same in front of both goaltenders, which tells us it's as much the or more the players than the or the skaters than the. I just I don't I don't I don't want to upset Edmonton fans, but I don't think that this is going to end the way they want it to. <laughs> That's fair. Um, attempting to wander back to topic. Um, Edmonton was the topic. Edmonton. <laughs> yes, uh, we're talking about my poor little brain today. This I mean this it's a nice thing to set a franchise record and. I think it's good for the team. I think it makes it more likely that when the playoffs arrive, they make it out of the first round. Um, Because they've now proven they can go out and win games um, and and string them together. That said... agree with you because I don't know that the I mean we know that the regular season doesn't the regular season results do not dictate postseason results in the NHL Uh, last season being the glaring example of that Bruins look at records you look at the last three games for, or last five games for the for the Oilers. They on the thirteenth they played and beat Montreal two one in overtime. Okay. They beat the Red Wings three two in overtime a day a two two days before that. Mm-hmm. They beat. The Blackhawks 2-1 two games before that. Before that, it was 3-1 over Edmonton. And that was after three days off, having beaten the Flyers 5-2. Show me the impressive win in that streak. Edmonton beating... Tell me which of those five teams... On September 1st, you said was going to be a serious contender this year. 
and that a team like Edmonton should be worried about. Have they played anybody? That's the thing is, I guess Philly, I don't know, not even Philly. No, they haven't. No, there's no. Okay, so we're going to go back to the five games before that. Okay. 31st of December, they they beat up the Ducks 7-2. to two. I think I know high school teams that could beat the Ducks at this point. They did beat the Kings uh, 3-2 in a shootout on the 30th. Okay, took a shootout, but okay, they beat the Kings, yeah. On the 28th, they beat the Sharks 5 to nothing. <coughs> really? I think- I think that either of the uh, Chipotle All-Star teams uh, playing tomorrow could beat the Sharks. And no, I won't apologize. And no, I'm not exaggerating. Go back before that. Um, they And they had, they had five full days off to do that because of the Christmas break in the middle. They had five days second. off before playing the Sharks? Five days off, and they only beat them 5 nothing. Okay. They won 4-3 against the Rangers on the 22nd, and that's the night after beating the Devils 6-3. So they've had... The Devils really aren't themselves this season. Good games. They had two tough teams in their 10-game win streak so far. The The Sharks and the Ducks? Yes. I just, I'm sorry. Like I said, I don't want to upset Oilers fans. I just, I don't see it. I really don't. Okay. The best thing that I will say about this streak is they beat the teams they should beat. Yes. And that, that's a positive. They can take that and and build on it. I I agree. Not playing down to the level of your competition is something that, well, there's, there's several teams that can still learn that. But are they? I mean, they beat Montreal two to one. It took overtime. Are they playing down to? Games, are they playing down to their competition in some cases? I mean, they're playing close to it, but they're still winning. Okay. They're not losing games to the Sharks. Well, that's uh, yeah. Or I'm trying not to be near, but the shark. Hey, the sharks have won ten games, so we need to. <laughs> and they're only I three points. Wasn't sure they would win that many games before the All Star break, so kudos to the sharks. And they're only three points behind the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, six points behind the Ducks. <laughs> And, oh, wait, Ottawa's only got 30 points, so they're seven points behind Ottawa, even though they're in the East, and, you know, details, details. Um, but, yeah, they have 10 wins, 30 losses, three overtime, 23 points. They are a minus 90 in goal differential for the Sharks. So they're already more than a goal per game behind the... Uh, behind their opponents for the whole season. Good. Good. Some would say, if, if you look at this in a positive light, 
there's nowhere to go but up. And I think they kind of need this because isn't it, is it Mike Greer, the GM? I think he needs to hit some kind of floor so that he knows what is worth hanging on to, what should hit the scrap heap, and start building from there. So I don't necessarily think this is the worst thing. Yes, it's bad for the franchise. It's bad for for fan base and all that stuff. But you have to – he has to establish some kind of, okay, this is where we're building from. This is what we're keeping. And add to the foundation that's going to be solid. And the only way to figure that out sometimes is, yeah, you got to have kind of like a – uh, what's that phrase you like to use? Or shattering kaboom? Yeah. So in some ways, is this a good thing? I, I'm not. I'm not saying it's a good thing, but I'm saying from a standpoint of where do we go from here, it gives you a direction, and it should be telling him what's worth keeping and what's what he can get rid of safely and. Or maybe not so safely, but still maintain some kind of foundation. So, in terms of look, we've said for years that the Oilers are probably overdue for that earth-shattering kaboom. Mm-hmm. I I don't see a way to make it right now because you you legitimately have to move on from either Drysital or McDavid in order to have enough cap space to get that defense and goaltender that you need. Which brings you back around to getting, now replacing your number two center. <coughs> because in any any sensible universe, whichever one of them is left after the trade is going to be your number one. They're both pretty you can make a very strong case that they're both are there, but you have two number one centers in in Edmonton. I mean, when you've got twenty five percent of your salary cap tied up in two players, and the only team worse is Toronto, where I think they have forty seven percent tied up in four players, or something along those lines. Yeah, that's Toronto bad. Ter- Toronto, yeah. I mean, for for Edmonton, it's thirty six point three percent tied up between McDavid, Drysail, and Nurse. Yeah. Um, and. But what I'm looking at is McDavid and Drysail combined are twenty five point two percent of the cap. Their entire defense, as currently constructed, seven players, yep. is only thirty two percent. Yes, I, I agree that. They, <laughs> yes, that's a problem. And they're goaltending. Um, you're talking about them. Toronto as comparison. Their top. I mean, if you go with their top four forwards. Yes. You've got three who are some variety of thirteen percent. Uh, so twenty six, twenty seven, thirty uh, four, forty one percent. No, forty two percent. Tied up in the top three, add in Nylander, and you're at 50% of your cap from those four forwards. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, look, I, I think that's, yeah, that, that math, uh, isn't mathing. And, and I understand that they're expecting caps to go up. I understand, you know, they're expecting the cap to go up and that's fine if it goes up $4 million. I, I just, when you've got this kind of money tied up in, in, in two players and it's preventing you from getting a goaltender who may be able to help you or getting another defenseman. And Hey, like I said, Evan Bouchard, Matthias Echo and Darnell nurse. It's a good top three, but your other four are meh. Cody CC. Mm. Brett Kulak. Mm. I don't know Philip Kemp. I think he's only played like one or two games anyway. And Vincent Dayarnay. You've got a couple of castoffs from the team that you beat last night in overtime. Yeah. In Kulak 48. and, and Dayarnay. 48.5% tied up in the top four forwards uh, for... Oh, I said 47. I apologize. For uh, the... For the Maple Leafs? The Maple Leafs. And that's this year before before um, Austin Matthews' salary jumps like $2 million, oh And goodness. Nylander's jumps almost double. Um, okay, it's only, it's only going up by about 40% of his actual salary, but still... I still don't understand how you make that work. I'm sorry. You don't. You have good regular seasons, and then you go home. Well, it's preventing them from getting defense. I, I think there's other issues as far as getting defensemen in, in Toronto. I don't think it's just the fact that they don't have the money. Well, some of it is some of it is tunnel vision. They don't, they don't value it. They do, they, you cannot go this many decades of not having good defensemen. <clears throat> by accident it's not possible agreed <laughs> um when you're when the best two-way defenseman to play in that city in the past decade is probably jake muzzin or and i don't know if he's ever uh, is he coming back i mean and matt been... or matt giordano as your second choice perhaps um, you've got issues. You've got enormous issues. And even if Jake Muzzin is healthy tomorrow, they don't have the cap space to put it, take him off. Take him off injured reserve. Oh, my goodness. No, they don't. <laughs> they have literally projected zero cap space. <laughs> where, do you, where do you cut $5.6 to put him back on the roster? <laughs> $34,999 in current cap space. That's not even enough to call up a player for a day without sending someone down. Between their actual long-term injured reserve, which is under which is almost 15 million, and the 2 million and change on the regular injured reserve, they can do nothing this year. I genuinely think this though this summer though could be the wildest offseason between the between like the week before the draft through the second week of free agency. Mm-hmm. 
I think those general managers who were planning to take that traditional week or two off right after signing everyone for the first day of free agency or second day of free agency. Yeah, they're not going to afford to take a day off. They should just burn those tickets and start planning start planning their trip for maybe the second week of August because ain't none of that happening. No. With teams who are so messy right now, there's going to be a lot of trades, a lot of buyouts. Um, It's going to be glorious. Yeah. I'm sure there's something else we're supposed to be talking about, right? (laughs) Um. Let's talk about T.J. Oshie. T.J. Oshie. How the how the uh, Washington Capitals have been <clears throat> less than stellar this season. Um, lost due to injuries, lost due to poor performance. They do currently have a winning uh, points percentage. They're at twenty fourteen and six. Um. But they are outside the playoff structure. They're um, they're two points behind the Islanders for the last playoff spot. Okay. Um, they've got a minus twenty five goal differential through their first forty games. Um, but Oshi came back in his second game back. He managed to play eighteen plus minutes. Wow. Scored a go ahead goal that turned into the game winning goal. Um, I think having Oshi back is the second best thing uh, to getting a good center for Oshi uh, for Obi that could happen to the Caps this year. I think getting I think getting Oshi back is going to be. Confidence building for Ovi, and I know it sounds terrible to say, but I think that it's going to help him mentally in his game. Uh, he's going to put some pucks in there. I'm still questioning whether he's enough to pull them from three spots out of a, out of the playoffs up into a playoff spot, though. Uh, that depends entirely upon what happens with teams in front of them, because let's face it, I I had I think we were predicting the Devils to win the division their division this year, and they're outside a playoff spot right now. I think that the Devils need to get their heads right, and if you look at their record over the last ten, that ship may have started writing itself. Um, because they're six three and one, they finally have a positive goal differential, even if it's only one. <clears throat> um, but the Islanders, I, I can't take the Islanders seriously. <laughs> I can't. Sorry, they have I... some offensive talent. They have some defensive talent. But when I watch them play. No, I can't take Detroit seriously. I just wish Detroit would. I wish the real Detroit Red Wings would stand up. They have some interesting talent. To quote a 
to quote a, 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 an artist from the Mich- from the state of Michigan, um, you know, will the real Detroit Red Wings please stand up? Lou? Because uh, um, one minute they look like world beaters and then all of a sudden they're not. It's like, what's the problem here? Alex Lyon is not the problem. The problem uh, is I don't think they've decided. I don't think they. I don't know if they know who their leaders are. Like I know what I know what I know what's on jerseys. I know who the names are. But when I look at the team, mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's very obvious when you look at certain teams who they're on ice. Uh, player level leaders are regardless of whether they're wearing a letter or not. For the Bruins, uh, you know, Patrice Bergeron was the emotional epicenter of the team. Um, even when Zdeno Chara was the captain, um, Zdeno Chara's voice was always listened to. Patrice Bergeron's voice was always listened to. You watch, um, you watch Buffalo right now the last year or so. And that kind of tall guy who I was telling people about a year before anyone else started talking about him, he's he's their emotional leader. Um, Joe Thornton and Patrick Marleau were those leaders, regardless of what they had on their jersey, uh, in the Sharks. Corey Perry, for his issues this season, and he's now eligible to return, Um He's an emotional leader. He's a guy who makes the rest of the team pay attention to him. Um, Matthew Kachuk, he's that guy. I look at this roster for Detroit. I think Maureen Sider probably going to be that guy two years from now. But it's probably not Andrew Kopp. I no. don't think it's Alex Debrinkit or Dylan Larkin. No. You know who it's they should be listening. You know who they should be listening to. Not David Perron. Uh no, 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 not David Perron. They should be listening to. Oh wait, that guy. Uh Oli They Mata? decided to no, not Oli Mata, but they decided to sign this guy. He's. 35 years old. He's got a little bit of playoff experience. And everybody thought... Point 18 games, that guy? Everybody thought he was, you know, oh my goodness, he's not the same guy. 16 points in 18 games, 7 goals, 9 assists. Um, he's averaging 18 plus, 18.47 a night. He's playing 19, almost 19 minutes a night, shooting percentage of 11.1. Uh, some guy named Kane. Yeah, totally washed up. <laughs> the, where is he going to sign? What's he going to do? I'm sorry. Um, yeah. I think so. I think there's a couple of teams that are kicking themselves right now. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, don't uh, get me wrong. Trying to come up with the money to pay him, and I don't remember what his contract was. I'd have to look it up. But yeah. but to be uh, 
that impactful. And everybody, everybody's looking at his time with the Rangers at the end of last season and thinking, oh, well, he clearly he's not, he's not, he's, he's not, not he's a, like there's no way, there's no two ways around it. He was not good. I think there were other issues joining that team. The Rangers I, are a team that need that. I don't know if they can locate their head long enough to get into or out of it. And yeah, uh, I can't take the Rangers seriously right now either. No, but Patrick uh, Kane, seven five million, two and three quarters for one year. There's is that a show? <laughs> is that a show me contract? <laughs> I mean, he's at 35 and Showtime contract because dollars to donuts says this guy will play uh, two games on the other side of the all star break and be gone before the trade. You really really think Detroit's going to trade him? Yes. To where? Anywhere who will give them draft picks. Because they know for damn sure they're not making they're not making it out of the first round this year. There's no way you can convince me Stevie Y thinks they're going to make it out of the first round this year with him or adding who, whatever name you think is available. So two and three quarters million, and he's going to turn around and get what? You think he's going to get a first rounder? Boy. I mean, he's already got the Bruins first rounder, so the Bruins can't give him a first rounder. Ever coming to the Bruins in the first place? <laughs> Why not? Apparently, Kane only plays for original six teams. <laughs> he's got half of them covered already. <laughs> You're saying he's going to Toronto? No. No. If Toronto finds some way of, I, I first of all, I want to know who's doing their math, but. If Toronto finds someone, no, no, no. I want to know who's doing the league's math because <laughs> <laughs> and this started out as about TJ Oshie and I've turned into Patrick Kane. I'm pretty good at that. Yeah. Hey, maybe he goes. Maybe he goes to Washington. It's not an original sixteen. Well, the original six thing is your is your weirdness. It's an original thirty two team. He's played for three teams in the NHL, all of them original six franchises. I think he's trying to set some kind of record. He wants to play for the original six teams. Unfortunately, we'll have to find a way to keep Toronto out of it. Maybe we can convince him that they weren't an original six team or something. I don't know. But Yes, it was only the... Uh... And I have a very hard time seeing him in, Montre- in, in Blue Blanca Rouge. Of Montreal, but it was, I, it was only the um, it was only the Toronto. Um, oh God, what was their original name? They had an original name. Oh goodness. Oh, they definitely had an original name, and I can't remember it today. That's all right. Um, time to discuss the All Stars. Oh boy, there's always somebody not happy about the All Stars. Um, I, my sneaking suspicion is that the final list, and there's still two names to be announced, but the final list has two noticeable snubs to me. 
at least one of whom is a really fantastic interview and is exactly the type of guy who should be at the All-Star break or at the All-Star festivities. Wait, they snubbed Tortorella? Mm, yes, but no. <laughs> he said fantastic interview, so I'm just thinking. So we will quickly comb through the list. Um, okay. And we'll – the first-time names stick out the most, obviously. Vitrano for Anaheim, Keller for Arizona, Pasternak, and Swayman for Boston, Dalene for Buffalo, Lindholm for Calgary, Aho for Carolina, McKinnon for Colorado, Makar for Colorado, Georgiev for Colorado, Boone Jenner for Columbus, Bedard, who is currently injured for Chicago, Ottinger for Dallas, Debrinket for Detroit, McDavid for Edmonton, Dreisaitl for Edmonton, for Florida, Bobrovsky and Reinhardt, Cam Talbot for the LA Kings, um, Kirill Kaprizov for Minnesota, Suzuki for Montreal, Forsberg for Nashville, Jack Hughes for New Jersey, Barzal for the Islanders, Shesterkin for the Rangers, Brady Kachuk for Ottawa, Travis Konechny for Philly, Crosby for Pittsburgh, Hurdle for the Sharks, Bjorkstrand for Seattle, Strand, uh, Thomas for uh, for St. Louis, Kucherev for St. Uh, for Tampa Bay, Matthews, Nylander, Mitch Marner, and Morgan Riley for Toronto, J.T. Miller and Elias Pettersson, along with Brock Besser and Quinn Hughes for Vancouver, Thatcher Demko, <coughs> also for Vancouver, Jack Eichel for Vegas, Tom Wilson for Washington, and Connor Hellebuck for Winnipeg. So right now Vancouver has the most with five. Yes, which is something that all of us predicted on September 1st. Yeah, absolutely. I, I did. I don't know about you. I did. Look, it's right in the for our pre-games, uh, preseason uh, show. Um, the first name that sticks out to me. Frank Vetrano? No, no, no. In terms of snubs. Oh, okay. I just mentioned him. Matthew Kachuk. I mentioned him like five minutes ago. I don't I understand. But is, he, but is he having that kind of season for Florida? Florida is not having the best of seasons, if I remember correctly. They are They are right behind the Bruins for the oh, okay. top in the East. Oh, okay. So why is Matthew Kachuk being snubbed then? I have no idea. Maybe he'll be announced as one of the final two players uh, added. Yes, other players have more points on his team. And yes, Sam Reinhardt is leading the team. But he's Matthew Kachuk. He is Mr. Personality. He's going to give better interviews than anyone else there. Okay. I... If I'm only selecting one player from each team, I'm sorry, Sam Reinhart. Your your contributions this season are pretty phenomenal. I've always been a fan. I kind of 
how you want Matthew Kachuk. Okay. I would also say that Brad Marchand should be there. Interesting. Brad's having him. I mean, he's playing effectively point per game season. Mm-hmm. He's on pace for 40 goals again this year. Okay. Uh, as long as he doesn't get injured or anything like that, he should be right. That he should be right there again. And maybe this year he'll actually get it. He's taken on the role of captain. He's got a shorthanded goal. He's got seven uh, power play goals. He hit the <coughs> he hit the NHL's all-time shorthanded goals list, uh, top ten. Um, I give the man his flowers. And the other snub. Because uh, you're just not going to convince me that Cam Talbot is a better representative for the Kings than Anze Kopitar. Um, What kind of a season is Kopitar having? I mean, he's got as many points as Marchand, um, probably more than Boone Jenner. Um, And uh, plus 15. Um, and you know what? The Kings are doing good stuff. Okay. Now, when you're talking about older players Mm -hmm. and teams, there's always the question, and you can even apply this to uh, to Marchand, um, they might have declined. They might have said, "Mm, let someone else go. Uh, I want to spend time with my family. I need the recovery time. Um, I just don't like going to Vegas. Whatever. Okay. I don't like going to Vegas. That's funny. So, I have a snub for you, and it'll be interesting to see how you feel about this one. Because... Seattle is only sending one person to the All-Star game at this point. Which, again, Oliver Bjorkstrand is a really good player. He's second on the team in points, one behind a defenseman, Vince Dunn. But I'm not talking about Bjorkstrand. I'm not talking about Matty Beniers or Beniers or however he wants to pronounce this week. And yeah, he's a local kid. Love to see him do well. But... Neither one of those. This person has played four more games than Jeremy Swayman. He has a better goals against and a better save percentage than said Jeremy Swayman. Uh, Joey Decord, also a local boy. 27 games played, 24 starts. He's got 13 wins, five losses, eight overtime his goals against is a 2.29, save percentage of 9.23, and is not going to the All-Star game. And, oh, by the way, didn't he just shut out the champions for the first time ever in a Winter Classic getting a shutout? Yeah, that's a snub. 
and I don't want to hear anything about having to pay your dues or whatever. The kid is performing. Look, you can say you don't want to hear it, but it's a fact in the way that the voters for this for these things put them together just the same way it is for <clears throat> for the awards. You don't have to like it, but it's real. What's real? They that that the voting for all star games in all sports, not just this one, is a popularity contest. Yeah, that's real. Look, I I firmly believe that it's all about you know. Of course, it's about revenue. It's about. I mean, you know, people like to think that the. The NHL and the various leagues want you to believe that the all-star festivities or Pro Bowl or whatever they want to call it are all about the fans. No, it's all about the advertisers. It's all about getting the advertisers to commit to new ads. Okay. They want the names that they're going to recognize. The names who's <clears throat> when you jump a team name and into or and best player into <coughs> Google or whatever search engine you're using, they want that player who comes up with the most results to be there. Okay. So where's Tage Thompson? Tage Thompson, not there. Uh, Tage Thompson has also spent a chunk of time injured this year, which doesn't help his case. Fair enough. But McDavid and Dreisaitl. Hmm. Sam Dreisaitl, those are the most Google, those are the most, uh, those are the names that come up. Okay. I just, I just think that if you're looking for snubs that I think Mr. Decord has received the biggest snub. I, I will agree with you, Brad. I can see Brad being there. Matthew Kachuk is... Without a doubt, a star and has the numbers that support him being there. But I I honestly believe that right now the biggest snub is Joey. Just, I mean, I'm sorry, 2.29923 save percentage, and you managed to not squeeze him in. And I mean, on the biggest really- on the biggest stage prior to the playoffs, where he showed up with a 35 save shutout, not 19, not 22, 35 save shutout against the champions, the current champions. Yeah. Uh, somebody missed something there. Did they really? Yes. No, I don't think they did because. So- one, no, no, no. The one thing that they want in all the All-Star games and the regular season and the postseason in the NHL is more offense. Oh, so now we don't like goaltenders getting shutouts. Yes. That's awful. That's awful. <laughs> if you can't enjoy a 35-save shutout, it's not like they didn't have opportunities it's not like they. It, it, it's not like it was some boring game where there was an offense. They had thirty-five shots on goal. 
they had offense. They just couldn't get the puck past the goaltender. So they didn't have offense. They just ask, had chances. Ask Jack Eichel if he if he provided offense. They had he chances. Didn't, he didn't provide goals. That's the difference. He provided so they offense. they didn't succeed. They just tried. <laughs> do or do not. There is no try. <laughs> exactly. So he's my snub. I would have to say that Casey Middlestat probably deserves to be there over Rasmus Dahlin, but... Mm. I was, yeah, I was trying to find somebody other than Rasmus Dahlin for Buffalo. Seriously. Yeah. Um, let's see. And the fact that oh. I didn't say Ugo Pekalupinen. And we talked about... Uh, we mentioned him. <clears throat> Contract has come up for our guy, for one of our guys going, Jeremy Swayman. Mm-hmm. And people are talking about exactly how well paid he's going to be when his contract is due. This is why I'm thinking Linus Olmark is going to get traded. Yeah, but is he? Yep. Because here's the question. Here's the thing. Neither of these guys has actually done a full season number one load yet. Swayman has been the healthier of the two. Are they actually going to get enough more for... Are they actually going to get more (coughs) from trading Omar than they would trading Swayman? I don't see them trading Swayman because they want... You want to get younger and as much as 28, 29 doesn't, isn't that old. Linus Olmark, except for the fact that he's currently out, banged up, Linus Olmark is probably about the highest, unless you traded him at the end of last season, he's probably at about the highest level as far as what you're going to get back for him. Yes, after winning the Vesna last year and having a 1.89 goals against average and having a nine whatever it was save percent okay the numbers are starting to come back down to earth this year yes they are Bruins are not playing as well in front of him I'm not blaming them there's something going on there Swayman's numbers aren't aren't where they were last year either but he's a little he's he's having a better season I think that they want to hang on to Swayman he's younger you can bump him up to five or six million a year you call up Brendan Busey to back him up or Kyle Kaiser, one of the two. The one position that this organization is deep in is goaltender. There is that, yes. But the the question becomes, if you trade Omar and not Swayman, you're back to the situation you had three years ago before we got Omar, where you're going into a season with a pair of 25 or 24-year-old goaltenders and no real veteran. But Swayman is now a couple of years in, whereas two years ago, three years ago, Swayman and uh, Darth Ladar, who's with Calgary, neither one of them had that experience. Swayman has the only thing you can question is whether Swayman's had very good playoff experience, because unfortunately, by the time he get thrown in, the series was over. Yeah. 
Um, and that's, I mean, Omar has not covered himself in glory in the playoffs here, partly because he was badly injured last year. But then was back to the year before that, he did not uh, look good. So I don't know which of them gets traded. Um, Olmark with cap certainty for the next season is certainly more viable. Um, but you know what? Swayman's got arbitration rights. He's still an RFA. So unless he decides to walk away from more tough guy negotiations and sit a year, um, he's still going to get paid. Um It's going to be it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I'm with you. I think at this point, if I'm signing Swayman, and I can get him for three years at five and a quarter, five and a half, I'm happy. Okay. Um, if I have to pay five and three quarters, six, I do it. Um, but. There's not going to be any sort of no trade clause or anything like that attached to anything over five and three quarters. Not unless it's an eight year contract and I'm willing to give him like a no movement for the first four years. Okay. Do you honestly think that they're not going to put some kind of no movement clause on his contract? I don't know. I don't know what Swayman actually wants. I think. I, I don't think that Swayman I don't think that Swayman needs to play in Boston. Like I don't he likes it here. I or I think he likes it here. Um you know, he's he spent he spent time up at University of Maine. Um but he's an Alaska kid. Um and if they had a franchise in Alaska I would worry. Because he'd you want know to what? go there. If I could, if I'm him, and I think that Seattle is going to offer me something good, or Vancouver's going to, I don't see Vancouver making the offer for something good. But I don't see Vancouver doing it because I think that, hey, well, you got that Thatcher Demko guy for one thing. And I'm sorry, wherever Swayman. If I could get closer to my family. That I get. And not necessarily be in a super hot class. Because I just can't imagine anyone who upgraded their climate choices by going from Anchorage, Alaska to Orono, Maine, um, loving the idea of playing in Florida or Texas or uh, the desert. Uh, But therein lies the rub. You're talking about a Vancouver that's probably not going to go for him. Swayman's not going to go somewhere where he's going to end up being a backup again. He's 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 ready to be a number one. In my eyes, he is ready to be a number one. Oh, that I that I, I fully agree with that. And, um, but the yeah. other problem is Seattle, being the other team close to home, is now discovering that they might have a number one in Mr. in Mr. Snub Joey Decord. Do you bring in a Swayman and make them compete for it? I don't know that that happens. I'd have to look at their goaltending. Because they got Dreger, they still got Dreger, they still got Grubauer. You got, you know, it's a it's a multi-headed monster out there in net, and the only good one is Joey, and the only, 
<laughs> but it's another team that you need to talk about who might be willing to spend the assets, particularly if you can, if 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 there's a trade that can be worked for a center, is Edmonton. You just talked about their lack of goaltending. I mean, they buried Jack Campbell because he's just not producing there. They're rolling with Stuart Skinner and Calvin Picard. Yes, and I'm just going to flat out say it. I don't want Ryan Nugent Hopkins. I don't think that the Nuge is an eight, uh, is. I don't think that the Nuge at five and a quarter or just over five million is a bad option. I think he's a good number two, which would upgrade us because we don't have a number two at this point. We don't have a number one at this point. Oh, I'm aware of what we do and don't have at center. And you were talking about what whose fault it is. I can't blame anyone at ice level on the Boston Bruins. Not on the coaching staff, not on the roster. What, that they have seven centers? They have seven centers and no number one or number two. That's just, unfortunately, not good planning on the GM's part. It's not good planning. It's not good drafting. It's not good trading. Well, we know his drafting experience. (laughs) Sorry. Yep. Nope. (laughs) Uh, I mean, arguably, if he can learn to win some face-offs, Trent Frederick might turn into a soft member, too. Maybe two years from now, but he still spends most of his time on the wing. Yes, because he can't win faceoffs. And if if John Beecher had more, I, I, I don't know. I offensive Hume. I think he's got. I think he's got offensive chops. I don't know that he's allowed to use them because he's being put on a line where he starts a lot of. He takes a lot of defensive zone faceoffs, whether anybody wants to admit it or not. For a rookie kid, he starts off in the defensive zone quite a bit, and he is a two-way forward, and he's not getting a lot of minutes. He's not, and, and I understand he's not scoring goals. But when you're in the bottom six, when you're on the fourth line. You're not out there to score goals. You're out there to provide energy. But he goes out there, he wins faceoffs. He's, I mean, as far as far as the last time I read, which was a few days ago, still leading all rookie centers in faceoff percentage, faceoff win percentage. I like Trent Frederick a lot. If he could, if he could get his faceoff percentages up to like. 47 or 48. I mean, isn't he down in like the low 40s, like 42 or something? It was was gross. Yeah, not not pretty. Excuse me. And and yes, we need – there is a need for centers on the Boston Bruins. That – not just any centers. They need a number one. They need a number two. You need somebody who's going to help Jake DeBrusque. You need – Somebody who's going to take a little bit of pressure off Charlie Coyle, who should be 
most I would put him on a third line as a third line center. You could play him at second, but to have him up as a top line center, I don't know. Zaka is not a center. Zaka needs to stay on the wing where he's supposed to be. Pacha, we just don't know yet. Pacha's the wild unknown because uh, he's 19 years old and His has he hit? Shows me he might actually be a good a good center for a number two role. Okay. He skates pretty well. Mm-hmm. But he's not putting it together at game speed at midseason NHL levels yet. And I don't really expect him to. Um, because, you know, he's kind of a rookie. And there's not really a mentor at ice level for a skilled, small center. Okay, so question the, the completely off topic since we started with Swayman, but did the Bruins make a mistake in keeping him beyond the 10 games? In your opinion, I, 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 I no, I know what I think. I did. I they think make the answer mistake? is no. Um, I will change that opinion if he turns out to. If he goes flaky the rest of this year or comes into camp next year, despondent. Um, but I don't think it was a mistake because I think that he needed to get the NHL experience. And weird as it is to say, this is absolutely the lowest pressure he's going to come into the Boston Bruins at center with. Okay. I can see the argument for giving him a year in the AHL or back in major juniors. You would have to send him back to major juniors. My problem is, and this is why I agree with you, that they had to keep him. It wasn't so much what he was showing with Boston. It was the fact that I don't think he was going to learn anything more from another year in the O. The thing that he might have, or the two things that he might have done playing back in Ontario were bulked up a little bit more and spent time focusing on uh, focusing on faceoffs and defensive responsibilities. Maybe, but you don't know what is going to happen when you send your player back to the OHL or back to the Duck. Yeah. This is one of the, well, he was he going back to the O, yeah. But this is one of those times where, uh, and I think it was Billy Jaffe who said it, that there needs to be some sort of rule in the books that, okay, fine, you know, whatever the situation was with the keeping 10, you know, the 10 games, that uh, there needs to be, each team needs to be allowed one, one exemption where they can have a draft pick and be able to send him to the AHL. Because he, I, I like I like watching Matt Potra. Uh, he is quick. I'm not saying he's lightning fast. He's quick. He's actually fairly strong on the puck. He, 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 even when he loses it, he gets it back. He, he's not 
one that's easily just cast aside. Yes, they can move him off the puck, but he fights, gets it back, picks pockets. He's got good He's got hands good tenacity. and tenacity. But sending him back to the O wasn't going to do it. Yes, he could have maybe worked on faceoffs, whatever. But he wasn't going to – I don't think sending him back was going to help him. But I think a year in the AHL where he can get used to closer to NHL speed, where he can work against other players that are NHL caliber or NHL ready, you might get you might get to go with faceoffs against somebody who's injured and working their way back. And, and so you might be able to learn your faceoffs there. But they need something where you can take a kid like him and you're not shoehorned into, well, we either have to keep him on the squad or we have to send him back to the – there needs to be a middle ground. And even if it's an exemption for just one player. Maybe it's one it's, player every three years and um, that player – Maybe it's just a one in three. Like you can do one player every three years and that's it. You don't get one every year. You don't get one per major Canadian league, uh, uh, per major junior league. You just get one Canadian major junior player every three years. And if you mess it up, that's your fault. Fair enough. I'll take it. They just, I don't think he was ready for this level quite yet, but I think sending him back would have been doing him a disservice. And you wanted to talk uh, while we're talking about almost, well, we're almost talking about Swayman. You wanted to talk about uh, Monty talking about playoffs and goaltender usage. Well, uh, just scouting around, looking at stuff, trying to figure out, you know, shows an interesting thing and I come across this and it's on it was on Nesson and it said Jim Montgomery reveals goalie plans for the postseason and I'm thinking to myself well they didn't go all that well last year but apparently according to this article Montgomery made his Toucher and Hardy debut this was last Thursday uh, not two days ago or three days ago but the week prior uh, actually, might have even been longer than that. I, yeah, because this story came out on the 4th, so the week prior to the new year. And he was asked if the goalie rotation in the regular season was going to continue in the playoffs. Something that we all talked about last year because Omar certainly was affected by the fact that suddenly he was starting every other day when he wasn't doing that during the regular season. And Monty, without missing a beat, said, yes, I mean, there's no reason. And I think, you know, you've got to learn from the past, too. So Monty is not exactly uh, slow on the uptake here. He's he, he knows what's going on. Last year, I made a mistake by not doing that in the playoffs. And I think that we as an organization evaluate everything. When you have two goaltenders and the demands of the playoffs are much more strenuous mentally than they are physically because you're only playing every second day. It's not like the regular season. However, the mental demands are significant. If you know you can have a day off to get a breather, reset, refocus, and bring your A game again, 
I think it just behooves us to play to our strengths. He can be taught. <laughs> I see. I this is what I had hoped to hear. I had hoped to hear it sooner. Um, and of course, this sort of plan for the playoffs relies uh, relies upon them still having both of these goaltenders and both of these goaltenders continuing to play at a comparable level. If one of them is traded, that goes out the window. If one of them ends up with a long-term injury, it goes out the window. Um, but it's what I want to hear. Um, but if, it, it, but then you can, but that's something where, okay, they make a trade, they, they, they send Olmark out before the deadline, and now you're relying on 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 the bulldog Swayman mm-hmm. and say they call up Busey because he's next up on the list or whatever. You know, okay, so you got Busey, you got Swayman. At that point, are you going to change how you it, would Monty change how he operates and suddenly lean more heavily on Swayman, or is he still yeah, going to be all? Uh, I think you I think you have to go to like a three out of five for Swayman and two for Busey until Busey proves that one way or another that he can handle it or he can't handle it. Okay. Um, because you have to win games. Like yes. You're not allowed to not win in Boston. It just doesn't work. Um. I'm just I'm I'm just impressed that he's actually it, I mean it, this isn't something that he's just you know behind the scenes or whatever that he's actually out in front of it on the sports talk radio telling everybody I made a mistake. I think his bigger mistake was just not pulling or swapping out because Olmark was injured last year. I mean the goalie can tell the players can tell you that they feel fine. But there's and no reason for you to believe that when it's clearly a load uh, in their pants. That's because hockey players are crazy bunch, and Which they could have do. they could have arms hanging off by one tendril, and they still want to be out there playing. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you look at some of the faces. Look at Brad. Oh my god, he, he complete mess. Didn't. You know, went in, got his stitches, came back, he's done. You know, you miss 15 minutes and you're you're back on the bench. It, unless unless Monty turns around and says, "Look, I can clearly see you're struggling. You're favoring your left side. You're not getting up as quickly as you could, as quickly as you have been. There's clearly something wrong. I'm going to put in the other." But that's on Monty. You're right. You are correct. The the player is not going to sit there and say, I need to come out of the game. It's on the head coach to sit there and say, I've seen this. I test tells me that there's something wrong. Sit your butt down. We're sending in Swayman. So, yes, I agree with you. That was that was a mistake by him. 
was Omar injured before the playoffs or was he injured in the first game of the playoffs? That's where it gets a little hazy because if he was injured before the playoffs, he could have done something about it before they started. If he was injured for a second game of the playoffs, well, should they have been playing the way they did all during the regular season? And lots of questions. I'm just glad that he's recognized it and at least verbally admitted that, yes, they're going to change the style of how they approach the playoffs and that they will go with a tandem system because that's the way they're doing it during the regular season. It will keep them fresh. It'll be interesting to see because nobody does that. I can't remember the last time I saw tandem goaltenders in in the playoff in 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 the Stanley Cup playoffs, I don't think it's ever happened. The closest, no, I can't think of it being a regular practice, um, starting from round one all the way through. Um, we've seen goaltenders get shoved aside, but well, yeah, Grubauer, Grubauer started for Washington before. Uh, before uh, I mean, you could almost call the Vancouver situation against the Bruins an eleven a tandem, but it wasn't something that happened through the whole playoffs. Um, well, no, what that was, Bobby Lou got pulled in a couple of games, and Corey um, was it Schneider? Schneider. Corey Schneider got sent in, but it wasn't really it wasn't any kind of a tandem. But yeah, we've seen, like I said, Grubauer got cast off before Holpe got his head right and came back and. Ended up getting them to the getting them the Stanley Cup. That was the year uh, against Vegas. Vegas is inaugural season. But Grubauer um, had started those playoffs because he had had such a good tail end of the regular season that they didn't have a choice. Yeah, and I mean for that matter, you can look at New Jersey last season, season before. Um, they had they went through three different goaltenders. Mm-hmm. And eventually beat the Rangers um, before uh, before succumbing to the competition. But and Akira Schmidt emerged and then disappeared. Um, but that's not as surprising as the Drysdale for Gauthier trade that we're still lacking some details on, and I suspect we'll never get all of the details on. Um, but for those who haven't heard, the Anaheim Ducks traded Jamie, defenseman Jamie Drysdale and a second-round pick, uh, what was it, 25? Uh, second-round pick in 2025. For Cutter um of Boston College or Boston University. BC. the Flyers. Um, from the reports... Gauthier basically said, yeah, I'm not playing the Flyers. I don't know why. And I think the fan response in Philly. Um, well, <laughs> I can't imagine the fans being I can't imagine the Flyer fans being too pleased about some kid who hasn't played one game for them saying that he refuses to play for them. Um, well, that's. That would be accurate because at some point we got to the land of death threats, um, which kind of are not okay just because someone doesn't want to work in your town. You think? 
Yeah. I, I death threats are not a good not not good. Um, it's more than a little ridiculous and just wildly unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> looking at both teams, I have to wonder if this is maybe a sign that the Ducks are going to say, yeah, this current new young core isn't working. Hasta la vista, baby. And just begin the new reset because even with all of his injuries Jamie Drysdale was supposed to be their new number one on the back end and obviously he can't be their new number one if he's not part of the franchise and you know Cam Fowler is all the way up to 32 Radko Gudis is 33 and all of the rest of their defensemen are ungood, unremarkable at best. Unremarkable, Ooh, a new word for us. Okay. Hey, try and keep the vocabulary fresh. <laughs> I I don't understand, and it, and it says that, and 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 whether we get a story, whether we get the details as to why he doesn't want to play for Flor- for for Philadelphia, don't know. I did my first thought, and they actually addressed this one in the article. My first thought was that um, he didn't want to play for John Tortorella because John's kind of a tough guy. But according to this, the quote is, all those rumors saying I was scared of torts, that's not the case at all. I've had many hard-o coaches throughout my whole life and I think that any coach I play for would love to have me on their team a little bit of ego there I want to do whatever it takes to win and if they're a hard yelling screaming kind of coach I'll roll with the punches I'm never going to disrespect or talk back to a coach going to give it my all every single shift and that was definitely not the reason why I didn't want to play in Philly Actually met Torts during Dev Camp two years back. Super excited and thrilled to meet him. Obviously being a big name in hockey, coaching staff industry, definitely was not against playing for him whatsoever. And so if that's not the – then what – it, Philly's on the rise. They're, they're, are they playoff – you know, deep run playoff contenders? No. No. Not yet. But they're on the rise, so you're you're going to a franchise that is not uh, taking you to the basement with them. So what is the problem? You don't like wearing orange? I mean, (laughs) just tell us already. What is the problem? You've already upset the Philly. You've already upset the Philly fan base. So why not just go ahead and explain to them? Why you don't want to actually play for their team? It's none of their business. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I mean, I've gotten job offers and decided not to take the offer. Okay, yeah, you and me both, yeah. I've gotten, I've had, I've had recruiters reach out to me from but companies did. I didn't want to work for. But you didn't have, but you didn't have to answer to a fan base as well. It was no just you and the company. Fan base. Ownership has to answer to a fan base. The league has to answer to a fan base. An individual player 
who's never played a game? I don't think so. I just apparently, don't see it that way. Apparently it is if he wants to make the all-star team, though. Mm, yeah. Um, the, honestly, that's not the most important thing in the lives <laughs> of those Trying to navigate that one. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, it's not going to matter now. He's he's property of he's property of Anaheim. He's still playing at Boston College. My guess is to, that uh, jump to the jump pro this uh, this spring. It sounds like he's going to at the end of this season. His sophomore, yeah, this is his sophomore season. It sounds like he's planning to sign his entry level at the end of the year. He's picked a good year to do it. Boston College is ranked number one in the NCAA hockey. So if they should win a national championship and go out on top, I can see that. More power to him, uh, and I wish him luck. I, I, I don't wish ill will on any of these young guys, but I don't know. I just think turning around and telling a fan base you don't want to play for them is a little bit sticky, kind of a sticky wicket. You know what? It's his right, and I... It is. Not not arguing that. It is his right. You, you can play where he wants to play if he can get the team to trade him, and in this case, he did, so... And Philly's getting a decent young defenseman in return. Who, if he can stay healthy, is probably if not quite automatically their number one best defenseman, probably their best defenseman two seasons from now. And that's regard, and that's before you get to the draft pick that they picked up as well. I think Philly did more than okay in this trade. Yeah, I'm not, I don't think that, I don't think that this was pennies on the dollar. This was a, I think this was a decent trade. Absolutely. Um, Anything else we want to talk about this week? We've covered, we've covered quite a bit. I think we're. The only, actually, the only thing we haven't covered is the will he or won't he. Ah, very quickly. Yes. Will he, won't he. We do have to. Talk about Ovi's goals unless we want to push that and give it another week. <clears throat> nah, poll already closed. Um, ah, well, in that case, we need to talk about it. Um, so will he or won't he? Will Alex Ovechkin score more goals between January 7th and the All-Star break than in his first stretch of the season? 70% of y'all voted yes. Really? 70% of people voted yes. I like That's, it. That's assertive. I, I like that. Um, I don't agree, but I like that. The All-Star break is, is what, first weekend in February? Is it February um, 3rd or the 10th? I don't know. I'm just saying it, it, it's, we're, only talking a four, we're only talking about a four-week span here. Yes, but we're also talking about Alistair Vetchkin, who's – I think he's had – Four goal, back-to-back four goal games uh, in his career. Yes. So February first um, is the start of the weekend. Oh, that reminds me. Um, 
the bean pot is coming. The bean pot is coming. The bean oh, yeah. is coming. Um, and when I say bean pot, I mean bean pots because the men's and women's uh, uh, tournaments will both be played at the Boston Garden this year. Um, so tickets uh, at the for the TD Garden. Um, women's bean pot uh, begins Tuesday, the fifth uh, Tuesday, the twenty third, five p.m. Um, and then there's on February fifth the next game, uh, the, the final for the women's. Also, uh, February 5th at the at 5 p.m. at the Garden. Yeah, wait a minute. I'm sorry. It's actually three weeks. Um, apparently, I am. No, what did I miss? Well, apparently, it's the Duncan Bean Pot now. You know, goodness that we you know, can't have a sponsor on the title on 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 the. On the Okay, no, women's bean pot is the 23rd, uh, and then the bean pot is the 5th and the 12th. Okay. Um, Tickets are definitely available. Um, I recommend getting there early and staking out your seat of choice. Um, Because you can get fantastic seats um, if you've not been to this tournament. Uh, Why? The, oh, Where have you been? <laughs> the bands normally show up, and the fans show up uh, from the schools, and it's a nice, rowdy weekend. Or a nice, rowdy Wait, game. Nice and rowdy? Really? That's what you're going yeah. with? That's what I'm going with. Evil uh, and <laughs> and we will make our picks next week. I mean, we'll also have our will he or won't he uh, in the shows um, in the show information. Um, anything else we're covering this week? We've covered it all. I think we're good to go. In that case. Uh, hockey fans, this is where we leave you. Thank you, thank you, and we will be back uh, in one week's time. <laughs>